sees it all. Amen. We have to trust him. And yes, sometimes it just looks like a big old jumbled mess, doesn't it? And uh, we only see the clouds and the storms and the rain and the darkness, but God knows what he's doing. How about you and I make a decision this morning, we're just going to trust him. Amen. And I don't know where you're at today, what's going on in your life, but we're going to trust him. Let me just say this. If you've been inviting people to church and they're not coming, don't get discouraged. Just keep, just keep inviting them, amen, and uh, just keep staying plugged in and stay faithful and, and keep the right kind of attitude about things, and, and the, Lord, the Lord will bless it, and uh, feelings will come and go, and you know, happiness, sometimes we're happy, sometimes we're sad, but joy remains, and uh, we're going to trust the Lord, and uh, we're going to just stay faithful. How many of y'all just go, how many of you has he been faithful to you? Then what do we ought to be to him? We ought to be faithful to him. He's been faithful and so good to us. Let's be faithful and good to him. I want to say, uh, dear church family, uh, we are so blessed and thankful for our new church family. Thank you for all your prayers, cards, kindness during the home going of Miss Thelma Trask. And uh, thank you to all the men and ladies who helped us move to our new home. We love all of you and are so blessed. Love Don, Sam and Donna, and we love y'all. We're glad they're here. We're glad they got right with God and moved from Ohio. Amen. <laughs> West Virginia there. And uh, we've just been blessed by them being here. They've been a great encouragement to me. And, and uh, we love and appreciate them. And so, and I want to say thank you. I wasn't here. I appreciate all the guys that showed up to help Kaylee and Josh get their stuff in the truck. And I think there was quite a few of you doing that. So I want you to know I appreciate that. Um, I want you to open your precious Bible this morning to the book of Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. I will start preaching on the life of David again next week on Sunday morning, but I just feel the need to really emphasize something here for the next few weeks. I'm going to preach on it this morning, tonight, and then probably for the next few Sunday nights. I hope you'll be here to listen. And I hope not only just to listen, but I hope and pray that God's word will speak to all of our hearts. I want to encourage you. I was encouraged last week. I'm thankful. Uh, Mr. Aiden had got in and, and rededicated his life and wants to serve the Lord. And I told him this morning that, uh, and I'm not trying to be ugly, I'm just being honest. When you determine to do something right, you get on the devil's target. There's no doubt about it. He's going to throw things at you. And let me, I want everybody to listen to me and I want you to listen well. Sometimes it looks good. Most of the time it looks good. I don't know of a whole lot of people that's being deceived by Satan worship this morning. Let's just be honest. I know it's out there. But that's not where most people fall at. They fall with something good that's not the best. Rat poisoning has a very small amount of poison in it, but it kills the rat. Now, if we know enough how to kill rats, the devil knows how enough to deceive people. And we have to be wise today. There's a lot of good stuff out there that's evil, to be quite honest with you. And let me just help you all this. If anything takes you from God and His institutions, it ain't good. Amen. Promise you. And that's what I want to emphasize today. I want to emphasize being grounded and settled in your church. Grounded and settled in a church. 
We've so minimized the church today. And I want to just reemphasize it a little bit and explain how important what the Word of God says about the church. And uh, we ought to get stirred up about it. We ought, to get, we ought to be passionate about it. I mean, listen, the world's passionate about everything they do. By the way, there's going to be stadiums full today. There's stadiums full today. Why? Because people are passionate about football. They're stirred up about football. By the way, stadiums were full yesterday. Hundreds, millions of people gathered to a football stadium. Why? Because they, they stirred up about their football team. And by the way, I, I like football. I'm not preaching against football. But I'm going to say this. I think we ought to get, if we can get stirred up about a football game, we can get stirred up about the Lord Amen. and His work. We can get stirred up about something else that our family or whatever we all get involved in. Hey, I know y'all. Y'all know me. I got up every morning this past week. Well, not every morning. I took a break. But most mornings this past week, man, we had a great time. We, we slept in. or I slept in on Wednesday. But I got up Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday morning. I got up long before the sun ever came up and went out and uh, got up in a tree stand. Early. You say, well, why'd you do that? Because I wanted to. Amen. I wanted to. I was stirred up about it. Here's what's funny. Y'all know my wife wants to jump out of a perfectly good airplane. Y'all know that, right? She wants to skydive. So, you know, Brother Benny, the pastor up there at Chestnut Grove, he, he was in the 82nd Airborne. So I said, well, if anybody's going to try to talk her out of doing it, it'll be him. I said, Lord, honey, I said, you go talk to him. Well, he went there first. She went there first night on Monday Night Revival. He said, yeah, he said, you need to do it. <laughs> he said, there's not a feeling like that just free fall. And I said, Benny, that's enough. <laughs> and here's what my wife pulls on me. She says, well, I'll tell you right now, it's just as dangerous standing out there in that tree stand. <laughs> I say, I beg to differ. But she's got her, and I told her, y'all know what I finally broke over and told her? I said, baby, just go do it. Just go do it. Go jump out of a perfectly good airplane. Amen. If that's what you want to do, just go have fun at it. Get somebody to do it with you. I'm sure you got some takers, and just y'all go have at it. But I just don't want to know anything about it till you get home. Amen. <laughs> but I say that. Um, we get stirred up about things. All of us do. We get excited about things. But I think for a Christian, we ought to get excited about the Lord. And about his work and his word and his institution. And by the way, the church is not a man-made gimmick. I didn't come up with it. I mean, I want to tell you all right now. If I come up with the church, it would be different than what it is today. But see, I didn't come up with the church. God founded the church. It was God's idea. So what does he say about it? So in Colossians chapter 1, let's look at verse 18. Here's what the Bible says. In Colossians chapter 1 verse 18. And he is the head of the body. The church. Who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. That in all things he might have the preeminence. For it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. And having made peace through the blood of His cross, by Him to reconcile all things into Himself, by Him, 
I say whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. And you that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled. That's a beautiful passage of scripture. We were all, we've all been enemies of God, but he brought us close. He reconciled us. By the way, that's a beautiful work that the Lord does, and that's another beautiful work and ministry of a church. Look at verse 22. In the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and unprovable in his sight. If you continue in the faith, here it is now, grounded and settled. And be not moved away from the hope of the gospel which ye have heard and which was preached to every creature which is under heaven, whereof I, Paul, am made a minister. Now, I want you to understand the importance of the, the local church, the head of the church, the Jesus Christ is the head of the church. He founded the church. The Bible says if you continue in the faith, grounded and settled. By the way, that's really what I want to look at, grounded and settled. You need to have some things grounded and settled in your life. I need to have some things grounded and settled in my life. There are some things that shouldn't even be wavered on. They shouldn't even be questioned. They shouldn't even be thought of. We should be grounded and settled. Here's what the Bible says. It said you're going to enjoy the blessings of God if you continue in the faith and if you're grounded and settled in the truth. Now I want you to understand something. That's easier said than done. I'll never forget the first day that I walked into Bible college in 1996. I was green as green can be. I was young. I was 21. Yes, I was a father. Yes, I was a husband. But as far as knowing anything about the Lord's work, I knew nothing about it. Nothing. But I'm going to tell you, when I showed up in Knoxville, Tennessee and went to Crown College, I was excited. My life had changed. I was excited about being in the Lord's work. And I only had one goal in life, and it was to finish school. It was to finish school. My four year of college, and by the way, it took me five years to do it. But I, 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 it never even dawned on me to go there and quit. It never dawned on me to go there and quit. So the first whole month that I'm there, the preachers, everybody that came into chapel, even all the preachers, they were talking about, don't quit, don't quit, stay faithful, stay faithful. And I'm sitting there going, why in the world or they keep preaching this. Well, I learned in short order why. Because at the end of that semester, less than half of our class came back. And then to come to find out, that's the way it normally happened in a Bible college. Most of the grade didn't come back. Most of the freshman class didn't come back after the fall of the year. And then I get in ministry. I still have this idea, man. I, I just thought, man... I'm humbled, I'm amazed that God would even put me in a church to work there. And I went to work with Pastor Altizer. I was green, I was excited, I was humbled, I was honored. I mean, I thought it was a big deal. But I come to find out that this pastor of Scripture, God knows what he's doing. He says, if you continue in the faith, grounded and settled because now I've been in this thing for over 26 years and I've learned that the attrition of the Christian people in churches is a sad ordeal. Amen. 
That phrase right there means a whole lot more to me today than it did 26 years ago when I start. Because if you continue in the faith, grounded and settled, because I've known people and even been in my own life where we start to waver and shake on some things, but God says we need to be grounded and settled. Now there's some things we ought to be grounded and settled in. Number one, obviously, here it is. Y'all ready? God's word is settled. There's no more wavering on that. Psalm 119 verse 89 says it's already settled in heaven so it ought to be settled in your mind. There's so many people today that question the Bible and say, oh, it's just a book of history. Derek and I was talking the other day and a man went into there. He works in the pharmacy and a man came in there and was talking to him the other day and he said they were talking about how bad the world was and Derek said, well, I'll tell you one thing. He said, I'm glad. He said, when it's all over, I'm going to be in heaven. And the guy looked at him and said, you really believe that? And Derek said, absolutely. He said, I'm either going to go by way of death or the Lord Jesus is going to return and take me to heaven. He said, you honestly believe that? And Derek said, yes. He said, well, I'm going to tell you all right now. He said, that book ain't nothing but a book of history. He said, that Bible's nothing but history. He said, my daddy was a preacher for 50 years, and he said, it's never done a thing for me. That's what the man said. He said, it's written by a bunch of men. See, here's what's wrong with that man. That's the view of most people today. They look at this book like, oh, it's just written by a bunch of men. No, it's written by God. And by the way, whether you like it, I like it, whether we understand it all or not, it's settled in my heart and mind. It's God's word without error. Settled. So if I come across a verse that I don't understand, that doesn't mean that something's wrong with the Bible. It's amazing to me how people want to read the Bible like they're trying to find a mistake. Well, you don't read a a novel like that. Most people don't read a novel like that. I don't pick up a biography and look and see how much mistakes I can find. No, I read it to gain what I want to get from it. I want to learn about that man's life. And by the way, when you read the Bible, you're going to learn about Jesus. It's it's settled. The Word of God should be settled. Now look, I can't settle it in your hearts. I can't make it be grounded and settled. But I'm encouraging you. You won't find it anywhere else. God's Word is truth. Might as well go ahead and settle it. You ought to be grounded on it. Can I just say this? Your heart must be settled. Your heart should be settled. It should be settled on some things. Number one, it ought to be settled that you're saved. You ought to be settled that you know Jesus as you're saved. You ought to be settled. You ought to know that. You ought to be grounded in that. If someone comes up to you and says, Hey, why do you deserve to go to heaven? You ought to be able to tell them why. By the way, you don't. I don't deserve to go to heaven. But it's through the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Settled. Look, you you ought not be living a life of whether you're wondering whether you're saved or not. Get that thing, listen to me, get that thing settled today. God's Word can settle that for you. Salvation is of God, it's not of us. You say, Pastor Mark, can I lose it? You can't lose it. Because it's not yours to lose. You didn't earn it. You didn't gain it. Jesus gave it to you. So when He gives you eternal life, He paid the price. Settle it today. If you're doubting in your heart and mind, settle it today. Because you'll never do or take the next step until you get that matter settled. Settle it. Get your heart settled. Hey, I'm saved. No, I don't deserve it. Do I always feel saved? Look at me. No. But I'm not even saved because I feel like it. I'm saved because I'm settled what Jesus has done for me. Settled. I'm grounded in it. You're not going to shake me on it. And I'm not saying that arrogantly. I'm just telling you, 
There's a few things I know for sure in this life, and one of them is I'm saved. Because He saved me. I might not know a lot of other things, but I'm going to tell you right now, I know that. Number two, your service ought to be settled. You ought to be serving the Lord. You ought to be settled. You ought to give the best years of your life to the Lord Jesus. It ought to be settled. Hey, let me say this. Our home needs to be settled. We need to make sure heaven's our home. And by the way, when you get saved, it's settled. You've already got a place reserved. It needs to be settled. See, we live in such a shifting world, man. You go and talk to people today. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. You ask them the important things of life. Oh, I don't know. We ought to know. We're grounded. We're settled. We ought to be grounded and settled. Now, in this context of Colossians chapter 1, there's only one thing we're settled in. We know that Jesus Christ is the head of the church. And the Bible says that He is preeminent. What does that mean? He should be preeminent. Look at verse 18. And He is the head of the body, what? The church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things He might have preeminence. That word preeminence means first claim. Someone says this about the Lord. Oh, I tell you what, the Lord's on the top of my list. That's wrong. He is your list. He is your list. Preeminent means he's first, last, everything in the middle. He's everything. He ought to be preeminent in our lives. By the way, he ought to be preeminent in the church. Can I say this quickly? Now, I hope all of you understand this. That's why we don't get upset over a cakewalk. If everybody understands this, we don't get upset because here's why. We know that, yes, we're going to go over and have fun at the family fun day, but that's not what it's all really about. Are y'all with me? Come on now. Come on now. Y'all stay with me. Stay with me here because we're bigger than that. We know better than that. See, what you might not know is you, but I do believe you know. We open that up because we hope that people that are lost will come in and see that we're real people. And they can, get, they can get invited and kind of get to know a little bit about something that's not so stuffy maybe. I hope our services aren't stuffy. But sometimes people come in here like, ooh, you know, and walk in like, ooh, this is church. Well, see, the fall festival they see us playing bluegrass music. And, you know, we kind of let our hair down a little bit. It's all right. I mean, we, 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 we're human people, aren't we? We let our hair down a little bit, and we have some fun. And see, what happens is people come in and might be lost. say, wow, well, those people are just like me. They laugh like me. They look like me. They can have fun like me. And you know what? Really, here's the whole reason why we still have it. Y'all know Corey and Deanna? Well, they got introduced to our church, and Corey got saved because we had a family fun day over here in our parking lot. That's what introduced them to the church. So let me just say, that's the reason why we have those things. Everything else is just a bonus. Amen. So if we get our cake from Walmart, praise God for it, and I have fun about it. But more importantly, we're more encouraged, more wanting to see people come to Christ through our fun day. That's it. That's it. He said, Pastor, is that the way you look at it? It's the way I look at it. Yes, I'm going to enjoy it and have fun. But before we ever have that day, before it ever I said, Lord, please. And here's another thing. We've got people working the crowd. 
There's particular people over there and their whole job, all they do is meet new people while they're there. And they're trying to be nosy without being nosy. Come on. Some of y'all need to do better at that. And what I mean by that, when a visitor comes in, don't unload the whole boat on them when they first come. Give them a break. I mean, just ask them once. Here's what I do. Hey, are y'all from around here? And that tells me everything I need to know the first time. That tells me everything I need to know the first time. Hey, are y'all from around here? So when they answer that question, I know from that point whether or not they're just passing through. And if they say, no, we're not, I ask them where they're from. But if they're from here and I know they're looking for a church, I don't want to be too nosy. But I want them to know that we're so glad they're here. Now, when we talk about the church, we ought to be grounded and settled in the church. A church. And by the way, I've said this to people. If you can't grow here, you need to get in one where you can. <laughs> I'm going to be honest. I had a man say that to me. So I ain't never in my life heard a man, a preacher tell me to leave. I said, whoa. I said, you've never heard me say it either. And he said to me, so well, no, you told me to go somewhere else. I said, no, my friend. What I meant by that is I don't want anybody to leave, but I love you enough that I know that some churches fit some people better. Amen. I doesn't mean that because I want anybody to leave. That means exactly what it is. I'd be a hypocrite and a fake if I told you, oh, I love you, but I ain't going to love you if you don't come to my church. Look, I love you enough. You need to be in one where you can grow. And you can serve the Lord. That needs to be settled. I can't, I don't twist it. That's like me telling Dom here, just a minute, brother Don. I'm gonna twist yank your arm. You go come to church here. I mean, what? I don't do that. Put them in an arm bar. That's not God, that's not God's way. God leads people. But you ought to have, you ought to be grounded and settled in a church that you can grow in. And you can serve in. And look, I can't make that happen for you. And by the way, I just want to say this. And the pastor of the church has to be who he is. You wouldn't want me to be somebody that I'm not. I'm going to tell you all right now, if you've been here long enough, I preach like the way I do because that's who I am. And I realize this. I learned years ago. I don't take it personal. I don't... I'm not for everybody. Now, I'm just being honest with you. You won't hear many preachers say that. But I'm being honest. You need to be in a church where you grow. And when you get there, listen to me, you ought to be grounded and settled. And by the way, if this one's it, you need to get grounded and settled here. So how can we be grounded? I've learned something about preachers. We're good at telling people how to do what to do and not tell them how to do it. So I don't only want to tell you you ought to be grounded and settled in a church, but I want to give you, I think, one of the greatest ways how you can do that. And we're going to find it in 1 Timothy chapter 3. I want to read a few verses here to you in 1 Timothy chapter 3. And verse number... 
14, in 1 Timothy chapter 3, the Bible says this, These things write unto thee, hoping to come to thee shortly. Paul's writing, saying, I want to come and talk to you, but until I get there, these words will do. I want to instruct you in some things. Notice what he said, But if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how to, thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, and the pillar and the ground of the truth. He said, let me tell you how important it is for you to be involved in a local church, because it's the pillar and the ground of the church. He said, it's the pillar and the ground of the truth. He said, this is the house of God, which is the church of the living God. That's pretty important stuff right there. Now, if y'all was to walk into a courtroom where there was a federal judge residing, I'm going to promise you this, you're going to act a certain way when you go into that, that judge's courtroom or he'll kick you out. He'll hold you in contempt. Now, I'm going to tell you, the principle there is, we ain't kicking nobody out, but the principle there is this, if we have enough respect for a federal judge, we ought to have enough respect for the living God. So we're going to be grounded and settled in what? The church of the living God. So let's just put that on there. There's one of the ways to realize it's not my church. This this is not, you are not mine. Now I'm, I'm the pastor, but we are His. He's the great shepherd. He allows us to be a part of His church. This is His church. And it's not this building. The church is us. It's a group of people. It's what we're carrying on here. When someone says Tiftonia about this church, they might think of a location, but this building's not doing anything. It's the people that are the church. We are the church of the living God. The very fact knowing that that's who we are, that ought to get us grounded and settled. But I want you to notice saying that, that this is the church of the living God, can I just say, let me give you the greatest principle what will settle us and ground us in the church. Are y'all ready? This is, this is deep now. We ought to love our church. We ought to love the church. Uh, quickly, let me turn to another passage of Scripture in the book of Ephesians chapter number 5. Here's what the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 5. Verse 25, Husbands, love your wives as even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that it should be holy and without blemish. So men ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. Verse 30, For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and shall be joined into his wife and they too shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. The same kind of love that we should have for our spouses is the same amount of love that we ought to have for the church. And I'm thankful that our Heavenly Father loves us this way. So I ought to love the church. You ought to love the church. You say, Pastor Mark, give me one reason why we ought to love the church. Number one, love's a choice. You're either going to choose to love the church or not choose to love the church. You say, Pastor, why should I love the church? Are y'all ready? Because of who founded it. You ought to love the church because who found it? Who came up with it? I didn't come up with it. God did. So we ought to love the very thing that He came up with. Amen? 
Now, I have a feeling somebody's been, somebody's been giving some information to people here at the church. Because I'm going to be honest with y'all, I can use that thing right there. So here's what that told me. When I seen that right then, here's what told me. Well, somebody loves me. You say, well, how did you know that? Because they got me something that I wanted. Something that I needed. You say, Pastor Mark, how does that have anything to do with the church? Well, the Lord created the church and I ought to love it because I love Him. It's what He wants. It's what He likes. It's what He desires is for His people to belong to a church. I ought to love the church because of Him. You say, Pastor Mark, why do we put up with people? Because I love Him. Why do you put up with me? And like Miss Laura said, us. Because you love Him. Amen. We love the church because we love the founder. And by the way, that is a choice. Love is a choice. You either choose or not. Isaiah chapter 7, verse number 15 and 16 clears that up. I'm not going to read it, but write it down. It says you're going to either choose good or evil. Love is a choice. We can glamorize it. We can make it all. And by the way, you know we can, we can romanticize it. But I'm going to be honest with you. Love is getting down to the nitty gritty and choosing to love anyhow. Never forget Miss Allen, we seen her there just a few weeks ago. Miss Allen, their 50th anniversary. Y'all have all heard it. We went up to them after the thing and said, hey, how have y'all done it for 50 years? And I was expecting some spiritual, I mean, just some woo, romantic spiritual thing. No, she just looked at Laura and she said, honey, you stay when you don't want to stay. Amen. That's love! You choose to stay. You know what? I love a love that's been tested and tried and it just won't let go. Love the church. If you love the church, you love the founder of the church, you'll get grounded. You'll be settled. I'll be settled. We choose to love Him. We choose to love the church because we love Him. We love the founder of it. Number two, quickly, love the church because it's a choice. Number two, love is constant. You ever heard someone say, well, I just fell out of love with somebody? That's not true. That is not a true statement. You, if you truly love someone and you've chosen to love that person, you don't just fall out of love with them. I'm going to tell you what happens. What you do is you choose to put something else more in front of them more important. That's all you do. All you do is transfer your choice to something else. Somebody say amen. amen. I've never seen anybody just give up on a church and go do nothing. I've always seen them leave a church to go do something else. Love is a choice. Love is constant. You don't fall in and out of love with someone or somebody or something. It's a constant thing. It's love is constant. Aren't you glad? We know the Bible says that God loves us. Has He ever fallen out of love with you? No. God is love, and so we are to be like Christ. I know that we can't love like Him, but we can love in the same way, and we can love constantly. Constant. 
Can I say love the church? Love is a choice. Love is constant. Hey, quickly, love causes. The love of Christ constrains me. What caused Christ to sacrifice and to suffer on the cross? I'm going to tell you why. He loved you and me. It's an amazing thing. Love is the greatest motivator. Someone might say, well, what's the greatest motivator? Fear? Popularity? We look back through history and Hitler, what was his motive, great motivator? I believe he was evil. <laughs> I think he was absolutely, completely persuaded and convinced by the devil. I believe he was a demonic man. Amen. But he was motivated to try to conquer the world, kill millions of people. But it failed. But you know what the Bible says? I know, and I'm going to tell you why it failed. Because his motive was wrong. He didn't love. He didn't do it out of love. He didn't do it out of love. That's why he failed. By the way, the Bible says love never fails. Our motive for serving around here, everything we do is because we love. Love causes us. You say, oh, pal, I better get down here. If I don't, somebody's going to talk about me. That's the worst thing you can do is come to church for that reason. You ought to come because you love him. So why, why do I get on that bus in the mornings? Well, I know sometimes it feels like duty, but we ought to do it because we love Him. See, love causes. If you're going to stay in, if you're going to stay right, if you're going to stay grounded and settled, I'm going to tell you what's going to cause it. It's going to be love. It won't be nothing else. That's why I don't like for preachers to pull on people's arm and say, hey, you need to do this or do that. If your heart's not in it, you ain't going to stick with it anyhow. I'm not being ugly. I'm just saying, where's our love? If you love something, it will cause you. Again, I, I can't help. I think of this. I, I, this was caused by love. I, I mean, my wife, she... When I go there, I get hot coffee now, but my wife, she loves all the drinks there. I would never really have much stock in Dunkin' Donuts if my wife didn't love you. So, well, what caused you to go to Dunkin' Donuts? What caused the class to give us this? Well, I'm going to tell you why. Because they know it's not me. They know my wife loves Dunkin' Donuts coffee. So you say, well, Pastor Mark, why every little whip stitch and I need to do better at it? Do you run uh, Dunkin' Donuts out of your way to get her coffee? Because I hate her. I'm scared not to because if I don't come home with it, she's going to, no, listen to me. That ain't why I do that. And I don't do it like I should. But if I do it, it's because I love her. Amen. Amen. It should be. See, the church is about a relationship. It's not about a, and by the way, I know sometimes it's duty, but look, love causes us. Get, get a hold of that. Why should we want to come to the mission conference? Because love, love causes us to do that. Love gets us out from watching television on the evening and come out. What will get us back tonight? I'm going to tell you what, love for the one who founded it. I guarantee you every mother right here would give every arm they have for their children. And you say, why, Pastor? Because they love their children. They will step in front of a car if it saved their children. Love motivates. And the lack of love for the church and the lack of emphasis for the church is showing us the lack of love that we have for Jesus. I'll amen my own preaching right there. Every mama knows what I'm talking about. 
if you love something, nobody's got to tell you you're there. And I'm trying to encourage us today that we ought to love the Lord and love the church and it causes us. Get the motive right. It's love. Oh, I better get down there. Preacher's going to talk about me. First of all, I won't. Number two, it doesn't matter. I've heard people say that all my life. I'll tell you right now, I better go there Sunday night. That's just where I need to be. Well, I appreciate that, but it ought to be more than that. I love you, Lord, and I lift my voice to worship you, oh, my soul, rejoice. Take joy, my King, in what you hear. May it be a sweet Sweet sound in your ear. When's the last time one of you men just looked at your wife and said, I just want you to know I love the Lord? Do y'all know great revival broke out because of a young person in a meeting one day just stood up with tears rolling down her eyes and she said, I love the Lord Jesus with all my heart. When's the last time we had a young person even sputter those words out of their mouth? Love calls us. Hey, love changes us. Quickly, I got to hurry. Many of us wouldn't even be here. We wouldn't be caught dead in this place this morning. Years ago, hey, they some of us in this building, we wouldn't be caught dead here. We wouldn't be caught dead here this morning. Church, I ain't going to be there. That's crazy. I ain't going to church. You know what happened? Love changed you. I'll get an amen right there. He changed me and put a desire in my heart to be here. Hey, love changes us. Many of us would not have been caught dead here in this place this morning. What happened? Love changed us. You know what love does? Love changes our desires. Y'all know that verses he'll give you the desires of your heart some people have this idea that oh that tells me once I get saved and I fear the Lord that he'll give me anything I want no what that verse means is is you and his desires will be the same he'll change your desires I'm going to close with this because I got to it's time to close I never dreamed in my life I'd ever be a preacher never had the desire to be honest with you I never went to a job fair, went anywhere. I never heard of anything of how to get in the ministry. You don't find that at job fairs. And I'm going to be honest with you. Mr. Pilkington was a great man, but I thought he was weird. I thought preachers was weird when I was younger. I thought, man, they don't even live. They, they can't live. They, they, they live a weird life. And I, that was the last thing I ever I said, not me. I'll never be one. But here's what this verse means. See, when, we, when love changes us, when love starts working in our heart, here's what's amazing. I mean, what that means is, is he'll change my desires. Love causes. Love changes us. And then i got to quit, but love charges us. We, 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 we do what we do out of love. Uh, the Bible tells us here in this verse, it says in verse 28 and verse 29, of the book of Colossians here. Let me read it quickly. And i got to close. 
uh, 28 and 29 says, Whom we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. That word perfect means mature. Whereunto I also labor, striving according to the working which worketh in me. See, love changes us, but then love, love charges us. It, it's the cause. You say, Pastor Mark, why do you preach? Now look, it could be a job, and I have failed in, in, in many areas of my life, but I want you to know it's something that, uh, because God loves me, and He loved me so much to call me, there are certain things that charges me. I feel that this is a responsibility that is important because I know the way God loves me and how He changed me. That's why I never want to get up here behind this pulpit and preach with no fire and no passion and not really mean and feel what I'm saying. Look, even when I'm not living the best and doing I still know the Word of God's true. I even know when I'm doubting in my own heart that the Lord and His Word is still true. And love charges us. It's what makes us passionate. It's what makes us realize that people need to mature and grow in the Lord. It's what makes us see our events like our family fall day or our mission conference that we know that if God can get a hold of somebody's heart, they'll charge them too. See, it's love that matures us. And so I pray, I hope and pray that we'll all get grounded and settled in the church. Amen. In this day, I'm telling you right now, this day, it's as important as it's ever been. Our Sunday school classes need to start coming up. People need to realize this place is where we need to be on Sunday. It's grounded and settled. And we need to be giving ourselves to the work of God. And by the way, we need help in every area. Now let's get grounded and settled. Grounded and settled. Amen. Grounded and settled. There's some things we ought to be grounded and settled in our hearts. Amen. Are you saved? Is it grounded? Is it settled? I want to say this. My mom raised us. My mom and dad. And, and I'm not being up. But there was a time my, my dad got out of church for a little while. But I'm going to tell you all right now, and I know Kim can also attest to it, there wasn't a time that mom ever let us do it. You say, oh, well, how mean and how cruel. No, I, I'm going to say publicly to her, Mom, I appreciate you and thank you. I didn't like it then, but I love it now. Grounded and settled. Your children deserve and they, you owe them to bring them to a place where they hear the truth every week. And there's not one person here that lives on one meal a day, one, one meal a week. We all eat three meals a day. One meal a week spiritually, you're going to be starved. Grounded and settled. God help us. Let's stand to our feet. With head bowed and eyes closed this morning. Can I just ask y'all this question? How many of y'all believe what was preached this morning? Would you say amen? Amen. How many of you, and I mean this with all my, how many of you believe it was out of a heart of love that I preached this this morning? 
This ain't no perfect church because we got imperfect people, but we sure do have a perfect Savior. And he's working on all of us. Amen. If you're here this morning, you say, Pastor Mark, I don't know for sure if I die, I'm going to heaven. I need to get that settled. Listen, that's the most important thing. You've you've got to get that thing settled. Don't live another day without getting your salvation settled now. You say, that's me, Pastor. I don't know for sure if I die, I'm going to heaven. There's no one looking, just me. Would you raise your hand? I'm going to pray for you. Get that thing settled today. Is there anyone like that today? How many of you believe God spoke to you about something today? Would you say amen? How many of you thankfully loves you like he loves you? How many of you love your church, family? Let's be grounded and settled. How many of you know you needed this today? If he spoke to you, they're going to begin to play. Would you come find a place to pray this morning? Find a place. I know, how many of you, and I I would say everybody would raise their hand, how many of you got saved because of a ministry of a church? Not necessarily this one, but you got saved because of a ministry of church. Would you raise your hand? That'd be everybody in here. It'd be everybody in here. If you got saved, because see, this is God's way. This is God's institution. Let's bind together. Amen. Be back tonight. We're going to talk about some more things about the church. We ought to be grounded and set a while because we love the church. It's a choice. It's constant. It calls us. It changes and it charges us. Love. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your grace. I pray you'll take this message. Help us and speak to our hearts now. In Jesus' name. Amen. Before we close, can I ask, would you allow me and my wife to get to the back? And while we're doing that, I know this is a little, shouldn't be weird, but how many of y'all were raised in homes? You knew your parents loved you, they just never said it. Would you raise your hand? You knew they loved you, but they never really said it. How many of you was raised in a home and I love you was said a lot? Would you raise your hand? Can I ask you a question? Would I, can I give you some work between the time me and Laura get to the back? I want you to find somebody in this building today and tell them you love them. Would you do that? How many of y'all love somebody in here? And it's got to be somebody other than your wife or your husband. Can y'all do that? And then go to somebody before you leave today and say, you know what, I just want you to know I love the Lord. Amen. Tell them. It's too easy to do it right now. I'm going to tell you, that's something that we need to start using that language. We need to use that language. Men, you need to quit thinking, oh, that's that's a wimpy word. No, it's a good word. It's a good phrase.